Welcome to the Journey to Midwifery podcast. I'm your host, Amber Wilson, a doctor, nurse, midwife, turned podcast host. It is our job and passion as midwives to listen to everyone else's story, their journey, their birth story. Now it's our turn to share. So here I am asking these midwives, what's your story? Join me each episode to hear the journey, the passion, and the mission of midwives today. So today, welcome to another episode of Journey to Midwifery podcast, and I am really excited to finally, after many attempts to catch up with to Taylor Friesen, who is a new, done with school certified nurse midwife, and we get to hear your story all the way through. Yes, so, we do. Yay, I'm glad you're here, Taylor. Thank Let's you. hear it from the beginning. Um, what made you many years ago say, I want to be a midwife? Yeah, um, it was really through the birth of my son, which I know now that I've heard several midwife stories, I'm like, oh, that's so cliche, so classic, but it's true. Um, when I was pregnant with my son, he was born in 2015. Um, I sought care from nurse midwives myself and had a really good experience and kind of just fell in love with pregnancy and birth, the whole thing. I mean, if if you're listening to this podcast, I feel like you probably know what that's about. Um, And, but I mean, through my pregnancy, I, like, I, I was one of those people who loved being pregnant, just the experience was great. But it wasn't until my birth that I was like, whoa, that was really transformative. So we took prenatal classes and birth classes through the hospital. We were living in Idaho at the time. And I knew I wanted um, an unmedicated birth. That was just kind of my goal. And um, yeah, I was just very well supported emotionally and physically by the midwives that attended my birth. And I remember, I mean, literally like after I pushed them out, I was just like, that was really transformative. Like I knew that something in me shifted in a way that didn't feel, it felt, I don't know what the word is, like extraordinary, I guess. It didn't just feel like, I don't know how to explain it. Um, And so at my first postpartum visit, I think it was two weeks, um, I asked the midwife, like, you know, is it normal to like, for people want to want to become a midwife after they had a baby? And she was kind of like, no, that's not something that, you know, we hear regularly. And I was like, well, because I've been like Googling, like how to be a midwife. Like it just felt like something that, you know, just transformed me in that way. And I remember asking, like texting some of my friends that had had kids or my cousin and being like, were you like obsessed with your birth? And everyone was kind of like, no, not really. And so it just kind of stood out to me, like, this is something different. Um, And I wanted to give other people that experience. I remember just thinking like, I want other people to have a good experience. Like birth for so many people just seems like just another day. I mean, obviously it's like their child's birthday and it's special in that way, but it wasn't, it didn't seem like I was hearing stories of transformation, like emotional transformation, the way I experienced it. And it just felt really important to me to um, hold a space for people to have that same experience. And so my six week postpartum visit, I told my midwife like, Hey, I'm still kind of having thoughts about this. Like, would you be willing to meet for coffee 
and kind of, you know, discuss this further. And she was like, yeah, we can totally do that. And she asked, you know, what my schooling was at the time I had a bachelor's degree in exercise physiology. And she was like, you probably have uh, most of the prerequisites for nursing school. And I was thinking in my head, like nursing school, what, you know, like it just, if you know nothing of midwifery, there's a lot, it's just confusing. So yes, when, when, at the time you felt like, did you know about direct entry midwives or did you no, just know? I about knew CNMs? nothing. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even know the difference between like nurse midwife and, you know, CPM, CNM, LM, CM, like I knew none of it. It was just like, I want to be a midwife. I don't know what that means. I just want to be a midwife. <laughs> So you felt like this path I have to take and that's where I'm going. And how did you do that? Um, So when I met with her over coffee, she explained to me the route she took, which was um, she had an undergrad in, she had a bachelor's degree in psychology and then did Vanderbilt's direct entry program. And so she did like you know, a year and a half of nursing school, a year and a half of midwifery school. And I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. And she led me to um, ACNM's website. They have a tab. And I feel like so many people don't know about this. So like, this is really important. There's a tab that says become a midwife and it just lays it all out. Like if, if this is the route you want to take, here are your options. If, if this is the route you want to take here, you know, just, it really breaks it down super simply. And then Furthermore, it tells you what schools offer that program. So again, I knew nothing. I'm like just kind of clicking around and saw that there was a a midwifery school in Utah, which in hindsight, it was a CPM school. Um, And I didn't know again, like, do I want to become a CPM, a CNM? Like it didn't really mean anything to me at the time, but I had called that school. I don't remember the name of it, but it was in Utah. So it wasn't super far from us. And they just didn't, I needed someone to really help me through the process and like the admissions process because I was so, I mean, first of all, I was like a couple months postpartum and I also didn't really know what I was doing. And so they weren't overly helpful. And I think it just kind of fizzled out, which is so interesting to think like if that would have sparked that maybe I would have become a CPM. But um, I learned about the different schooling options to do this direct entry program. Um, Since I already had a bachelor's degree, I was like, this is, you know, kind of the obvious choice. The, um, I I printed out a list of the schools that offered it and then kind of sat down with my husband and was like, hey, where would you be willing, you know, where would we be willing to move? And we kind of circled um, some different, I'm trying to think like there was, we wanted to ideally be back home. We're, we're both from Washington state. So I, Seattle university was definitely on the list, although they only offered the um, DNP option and I wasn't completely sold on DNP. So I was like, I'll apply cause it's Seattle, but you know, I wasn't convinced that that was the best fit for me. Um, Oregon health science university. That's where I really wanted to go. Um, and they, yeah, they offered that. And then I applied to Vanderbilt since I had the connection through my midwife and then Ohio state was like the cheapest option. And so that was on my list. And I just kind of narrowed it down to those four um, and went from there. And how did you finally decide and which one? 
Well, I ended up not really getting to decide. So I got interviews at all of the places, which was really exciting for me. Um, they all required the GRE and I'm not like, I was not prepared for the GRE the way I ideally would have been. I'm not a great test taker. And so my GRE score wasn't great, but Ohio State actually did not require the GRE since my GPA was over, I think it was three, five. Um, so that was my saving grace with Ohio State. And I think that's ultimately, like I got interviews everywhere. I was waitlisted everywhere except Ohio State. I was accepted. Um, and I think that, I think the GRE is probably what kind of made or break made or broke the decision for the other schools with me. So you just packed up and moved to Ohio? Basically, yeah. <laughs> My husband quit his job and we were just kind of like all chips were in. This is what we're doing. Um, I feel like there's a lot. It was a very like that's really boiling it down. But that's yeah, that's what it was. I mean, in, in the interim, I was doing I had a handful of um, prerequisites to take for Ohio State's program and stuff like that. But so, I mean, from the time I had my son to the time we actually moved to Ohio was two, we moved on his second birthday. So it was two years worth of, you know, doing um, prerequisites and the application process and the GRE and all of that. It sounds like it just kind of magically happened, but it was quite the process. Now, did you guys have, I mean, this is somewhere you, your family is not there and did you have a plan? Like what was your plan for while you were in school? Was your husband going to work? Like what was your picture? So How do you just we, pick up and move and go yeah. to school? <laughs> yeah, we, um, I'm trying to think. I am not someone who's like optimistic pretty much ever, but I think I just had this idea that like, I have to do this. Like, this is what we're doing. My husband was very supportive of it and the rest will just kind of like figure it out. And it's going to be, you know, three years and that's a drop in the bucket compared to our life. And we'll just kind of figure it out. And the, um, one of the women that I spoke to at Ohio state that was part of like the admissions committee, she had told me like, yeah, if your husband gets a job at the university, you get 50% off tuition and if I had a job at the university, it would be like 100% off tuition. And so we just kind of came with the mindset that like, he's going to get a job at the university or I will, and we'll just make it work. And we had a decent savings to where we were able to do that. Um, but it did not at all pan out how we expected. Um, so we moved here in May of 2017. And my husband had kind of started looking for work before we moved and he was still freelancing for the newspaper that he worked at in Idaho. So we had some income, but he was like applying for jobs, applying for jobs and just wasn't getting anything. And like three months passed, nothing, six months passed, nothing. And before we know it, it had been like a year and he was unemployed and it was just like, it was awful. I mean, it was so stressful and just it was like our whole idea of this, this romantic chase your dreams, you know, it was just crumbling. And he ended up getting a job at the university, which helped with tuition because 
um, Ohio State wasn't really upfront with me about their out-of-state costs, which is another story, but it ended up kind of being the most expensive option when I factored in um, out-of-state tuition. But um, he ended up, you know, he ended up getting a job at the university after about a year of unemployment. It was, yeah, almost exactly to the day, a year of unemployment. And um, so we've been a little more stable since then, but grad school was very chaotic for everybody involved in my family. <laughs> Um, yeah, that sounds very stressful. And so after a year, did you get to switch to in-state tuition? I d well, that's what they, that's what they originally told me that it was going to be a year. And then once we had lived there for a year, we would get in-state tuition. Um, mm -hmm. and then they, they ended up saying that you had to be, had to have a job for a year of, you know, being, you had to be paying taxes in Ohio for a year. And we were like, that is not what we were told. So I think, I can't remember if it was one or two more semesters and we ended up, Josh and I like scheduled a meeting with the, oh, I can't remember who it was with, some, someone that, you know, worked in that department and we just sat down with them and we're like, look, this is what we were told before we even came here. You guys need to honor it. And we're like, we'll, we'll give you any paperwork you need. They made us like submit a bunch of financial things and we did a petition and it was a whole thing. But we were, we just pretty much said, this is what you're going to do. And they ended up, you know, honoring it. But it was, it was quite a fiasco. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you fought for yourselves. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're paying, it was like on top of normal tuition, which isn't that expensive. It was like $10,000 a semester, just that one fee. So, I mean, that, it was like. $50,000 for the five semesters just in out-of-state fees and I was like we we can't do this like we cannot keep racking up $10,000 fees because they're not honoring what they said so yeah um so it it ended up working he got a job and how did you manage the rest of school with kids you had a baby yes throw that in there yeah <laughs> and how did you yeah. do it um so I'm trying to think we, once Josh started working, cause he, you know, he was staying at home with my then two, three-year-old son. Um, and then once he started working, we got him into childcare. We had a really, really awesome center that we took him to. And then I got pregnant unexpectedly. I'm trying to think that was entering in like, it was like right halfway through the program. So a year and a half in, I still had a year and a half left. And um, we ended up sending her to the same childcare center. I can't remember exactly what question you asked me, like how, just how we manage childcare and. Yeah, just how you yeah. manage, you know, clinical, him yeah. being at home alone with kids. Yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. Um, just because, you know, the schedule, it's like when I'm, when I'm on call, you know, at seven to seven. And so he's responsible for getting the kids to childcare and, to, you know, picking them up. And that just sounds a lot more simple than it is. But he, you know, when I, after I had my daughter, he had three weeks paternity leave, which was awesome. And we ended up, we ended up having him take like a week off right when she was born, just to like be home with me. And then he went back to work and I was off from school for three weeks. I basically just did like a ton, I front loaded a ton of clinical hours before, worked up until, you know, the day she was born. When I say worked, I mean did clinical. 
And then I took a month off and then had to make up, you know, the, the remainder of clinical hours, which it's like, I feel like I'm telling someone else's story when I say that, because it's just so wild. But when you're in it, you just kind of like, you're just grinding. Um, so, and so he used his paternity leave. He would just take like one day at a time after I went back to clinical. Once she was like a month old, he was home with her just on those days. And then he'd go to work on the days when I wasn't. So it was a lot of juggling schedules, a lot of adjusting, a lot of flexibility, a lot of tears, a lot of sleepless nights for everybody. It was very, very awful. Did you, um, were you pumping at all as a student? Oh yeah. Yes. So tell, I mean, I feel like even just as a midwife, that's challenging, but as a student pumping, how was that for you? It was horrible. It was horrible because, um, when you're pumping, you have to like advocate for yourself. Like, Hey, I have to go pump now. And I think I can imagine as, you know, anyone working that that's hard. It's hard to step away from, you know, the work that you need to do. But when you're a student, you're already kind of like at someone else's, you know, discretion, or I don't, that's not the right word, but you're, you know, you're under someone else and you're responsible to them. And so to say like, Hey, I need to go pump. It's just, it's uncomfortable, you know, um, it was hard. And you probably always feel like you're going to miss something. So you're torn. Yep. I have to yes. feed my baby, but I'm going to miss this thing. That's yeah, exactly. that's a challenge. Yeah. yeah. I did a lot of like pumping in the car, driving to clinical, pumping while I'm eating as fast as I can, pumping when I'm driving home, like waiting till the last possible minute, but we somehow made it. Now you love your baby, no questions asked, but if someone were to say to you, I'm going to have a baby in midwifery school, what would you say to them? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I mean, when I, it is so hard to answer that question. I, and it depends on the program because I know another woman who had a baby. She went to university of Cincinnati and she was able to take a semester off, which I think is totally different than like with Ohio State, they were like, you can either come back, you know, pretty much right away, figure out your clinical hour situation for that semester, or you can take a year off. And I was just already done with school, like mentally. I couldn't imagine pausing and then having to like re-enter. So it just didn't even feel like an option for me to take a year off. Um, but I know some schools are better about that. I know like Frontier is really flexible with stuff like that. Unfortunately, I didn't have that option. So I think I would say like it can be done. Um, yeah, it's not like something that I would recommend. But I know there was another woman in our program who was struggling with infertility. And she was just kind of like, if this is when I get pregnant and this is kind of my only shot, then I'll deal with it. And she did, she got pregnant shortly after I did. And so, um, I I don't know, it's just hard. And it depends on the personality too. I think I am someone that just kind of takes what's handed to me and not that it's easy, but there are other people that, you know, have a breaking point maybe a little bit sooner than I would have. So I don't know. It's not straightforward, I guess. No, and that's fair. I know plenty of people who had babies in midwifery school and they made it through. Um, some chose to, and some it was just a happy surprise, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. just life. Yeah. 
Yeah. It is. Um, and congrats to your classmate for getting pregnant in school. That's exciting. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk, I want to get into clinicals in, with COVID, but I first want to ask you, and I only know this because I met you on Instagram was, um, I know you had to travel for clinical. Yes. So talk about that and its impact and how you felt. Yeah. So when I first got pregnant, my biggest concern was how am I going to do clinical specifically? How am I going to travel and do clinical? Because that was something that, um, Ohio state, they do keep us in state, but you know, they're kind of like, well, we don't, we don't guarantee that you're going to be local. And so I met with my advisor and she told me like, we will not separate you from your baby. Um, she, she guaranteed me that I wouldn't have to travel. And so second semester, you know, comes up, this is uh, three months after I had had my baby and I get placed at Cleveland Clinic, which is two hours away. And I was like, um, I thought, you know, I thought that I wasn't supposed to be traveling and they were kind of like, this is, this is the only option we have for you. Either take it or leave it. I was like, okay, I guess, I guess this is what we're doing. So what I ended up doing for that semester was I reached out to my preceptor from the semester before that placement is literally two miles from my house. And I was like, Hey, is there any chance you can take me for half of clinical hours this semester? Because I was given this placement. It's really not going to work for my family for me to be in Cleveland, you know, multiple days a week. Can you take me half the time in that way? I'll only have to travel to Cleveland once a week. And she so very graciously said yes. So advocating for myself yet again, which is something like going into school, had no practice with, like, I feel like I sound very, I don't know, I sound a little more, what's the word? Um, like maybe assertive? Yeah, than I feel like I am or than I, that I have ever been. But I think you know, it's kind of like the out-of-state tuition thing. Like when push comes to shove, you're going to just kind of take it and, and travel to Cleveland twice a week, or are you going to at least try? So that was how I did that semester was I went to Cleveland once a week and I had emailed my preceptor right away and said, look, I, I have a really unique situation. I just had a baby three months ago. I wasn't supposed to be traveling, but you know, I've heard great things about Cleveland Clinic. I'm you know, ultimately excited to be there. And it's going to be really crazy. She was super awesome about it. She was like, Oh, I have a six month old, you know, we can pump together. And you can leave early if you need to. So I ended up instead of doing like 12 hour shifts, I did eight hour shifts and would just drive there and back. Um, so I never had to stay, I guess I did some night shift call where I would like drive there in the evening. And you know, be on call overnight and then sleep for an hour and drive back. But um, overall, I wasn't there for like days on end that semester. And it was, it was just once a week. So it felt kind of manageable, even though it was still crazy. And then kind of getting into your other question about COVID. I don't know if you want to like ask something specific or if you want me to just kind of talk about what well, happened. Well, I do have a question really quick before yeah. people considering Ohio State. I didn't ask you how the class, the didactic portion is set up. Is it classroom? Is it virtual? How, yes, did it, it how is, did they do it? Um, it was mostly in person. Like we mostly went to class. There was maybe, 
it's like, it's hard for me to remember because everything has been on Zoom for six months now. But I think we, yeah, except for like the last semester when you're just in clinical, we had all of our other classes were in person. Maybe occasionally there would be um, like some of the, the things that aren't directly related to midwifery, like evidence-based practice or, you know, classes like that were, would be online but they would be non-synchronous where like you're not logging on at a certain time or something. It's just kind of um, just the more basic graduate level nursing classes were kind of like on your own. Okay. And then, yes. So you are in your very end of school, you see the light and here comes yes. a gigantic pandemic. Yes. <laughs> so I've heard so many things about students losing their sights and, and, you know, not yeah. being able to even touch patients and having to do it all uh, like SIM things. So yeah. tell me what happened with you. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. So March, that was still, it's all such a blur. So I was going to Cleveland at the time and, and that was when I was, yeah, I was going to Cleveland full time then. So I was no longer, um, I no longer had my local placement. And it was kind of like one day I was in Cleveland, the next day we were like no more clinical. And it was all just kind of, you know, came to a halt and they waived some of our clinical hours that semester. And then some of them we did like case studies and yeah, some online simulations. I'm trying to remember specifically what they were, maybe some newborn exams. Um, we had opportunity for things like that. And then when the next semester started, which was in May, so that's, you know, a couple of months after the pandemic, they were getting us back into clinical. But like you said, a lot of the sites were not accepting students. And at first it was kind of like, there's a shortage of PPE. And then um, it was just like, you know, some places were, had enough PPE, but were wanting to limit, you know, the number of people around for obvious reasons. Um, so they, Ohio State didn't have a site for me. And I mean, most people didn't have a site. And a lot of us just reached out to our old, you know, the former placement that we had and said, hey, are you still willing to take me? And so that's what I did. Um, it, I was basically committing to going to Cleveland voluntarily <laughs> at that point, because it was either that or wait for them to have a site for me. And I mean, who knows how long that would have been. So Cleveland Clinic was allowing students. My preceptor was willing to take me again. And what our program ended up doing was kind of taking away the number of hours that we needed. So there wasn't like an hour requirement as much as there was an experience requirement. So um, instead of, and I think, I mean, it goes this way anyway, there's like a certain number of births, you need to have a certain number of you know, spec exams, PAPs, um, breast exams, newborn exams, all of that kind of stuff is tracked. And so they ended up just focusing more heavily on the experiences and less on the hours. So that, that was actually, I don't know, it felt less stressful for me to deal with it that way because it was very attainable. Like I knew I got one birth this day. I need this many more instead of just, I don't know how to explain it. It just seemed it seemed more manageable given the um, given the circumstance, and also they were really flexible. If we didn't reach the number, um, if we didn't get the number of experiences, we could take an incomplete and come back in the fall 
um, free of charge and finish our experiences. So that was really helpful. Well, I got to be honest. I think that doing experiences versus hours is wonderful and is so applicable in particular to midwifery care because you, you know how it is. It's ebb and flow. I know. So yeah. That just to me makes so much more sense. Yeah. So. I think it just gave me like, I don't know. I didn't feel like I ever just had to like sit around and do nothing just for the sake of getting hours. Yeah. It made my time really intentional, which, and I think the, the experience thing was always there, like underlying, you know, even without COVID, but just to not have to like meet a certain out a certain number of hours just for the sake of meeting hours, it just felt more significant to be focusing on the experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely understand what you mean, but you did finish the, in the summertime. You didn't have, to, I did. You don't have to go into the fall. No. Yeah. I finished. Um, I didn't quite, we had to get 35 births and like, that's, I think that's, well, I don't know. We had to get 35 births. My goal was 40. I didn't quite meet my personal goal, but I did my best. I had, I think 37 when I graduated. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. Thanks. Did you get to take your boards yet? Not yet. Two weeks. Okay. What are you using to study for? I am using Kelsey and I took the review class. What's it called? Review... I'll put in the notes in this show notes. Yeah. But it was, um, it was a class that it, I think it was before COVID. It was all in person. They were offering one in Chicago and I was like, no, I wouldn't like, I don't have the money to fly to Chicago and then spend $250 on this review class. But then because of COVID, they started doing it all on zoom. And I was like, I'll definitely pay $250 to do, you know, and not have to pay for a hotel and travel and all of that. Um, so it ended up working out and it, the thing I really liked about it is that it just boiled down all of the content. Like I think just over the course of school, there's like so much information and it's kind of like, what do I really need to know? What is just, you know, it's like the need to know versus nice to know. And this just really boiled it all down. So it's like, I have everything I need to know in one binder and I'm just like kind of a minimal person. And so it helped me to just know I'm using this resource and my Kelsey book and I'm not going to like mess around with all my slides from school and all of that. So it just, it's been helpful for me in that way. Yeah. And you have the baseline knowledge, like you said, this is just pulling it all together. So yes, that yeah. sounds like a good tool. Yeah. And you do correct me if I'm wrong. You already got a job, right? I did get a job. Yes. Okay. Well, tell me about it a little bit. Yeah. So I think it was in February or so, um, my advisor just kind of casually mentioned to us, or maybe somebody asked and she was like, yeah, you guys can start applying for jobs. And I was kind of like, that's, that's not something I ever thought about. Um, and then kind of right around that time, there was like five different openings, like local openings for midwifery jobs. And my preceptor in Cleveland was telling me that um, midwifery jobs kind of ebb and flow. Like there'll be five of them and then none of them. And then, you know, seven of them and then none of them. And she was like, you should definitely just be applying for them. And I was kind of like, didn't feel in the mindset of doing that and certainly didn't have like an updated resume or feel like I was at all qualified to be interviewing for midwifery jobs. But um, a friend of mine hired 
um, someone to kind of like help her with resume building and basically make a good resume. And so I did the same thing. I hired this person that was able to like talk me through just like the wording. She's a psych nurse practitioner herself. And so, you know, she kind of talked about like different wording and how to organize it and, you know, what you want on your resume versus what you don't. And so I'm trying to think of like specifics. Um, Like she recommended putting, um, you know, my clinical experience on there kind of as if as if you would put your work experience. So what I ended up doing was actually going through my syllabus for the semester that I was in and I copy and pasted all of the objectives into my resume and then I just edited it to like be wording that you would use in a resume. So, you know, if it says like, you know, able to identify blah, 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 blah. I just, you know, reworded that to say like, this is what I'm able, this is what I'm doing in clinical. This is what I'm able to do. And I think that was, it was huge because it's like, how do you sit and think like, this is what I know how to do? You know, it's just really overwhelming, but the objectives of your course just kind of spell it all out. So I did that. I put in my certifications, like, um, you know, obviously my RN license, neonatal resuscitation, CPR, um, some of the stuff like felt like I don't know putting putting like CPR in your resume it just I don't know there was some stuff that I felt like is this really important but she just really encouraged me to like anything and everything you can think of you know I had volunteered to like teach a um, sexual health class to a local high school and you know it was like a two-day two-day jam term thing and she was like put it on there like anything you can think of that's relevant put it on there And so I did that and just kind of, it took so long between that and the application process. I was like, I cannot believe I'm spending my time doing this and not studying for my final exams. Um, Because it could, you know, it's like an all or nothing thing. Like you either get the job or it's all for nothing is kind of how I viewed it in my mind and ended up um, getting an interview. Well, yeah, I got an interview at um, a hospital here, which is the one that ended up hiring me. And I, it was a position that I felt really passionate about because I, I'm connected a little bit with the home birth community here in Columbus. And this is the hospital that they always choose to transfer to when they need to. And they only ever have really good things to say about this hospital. And that's really important to me that people are, the people in the community, especially the home birth community is met with respect and care when they come in to transfer. Um, So that just kind of spoke volumes to me. And then another thing about this um, specific place is I took uh, my neonatal resuscitation class on their labor and delivery floor and was talking to one of the nurses there who was like, we we just need a birth center here in Columbus. I want to start a birth center. And that's a huge passion that I have too. I actually took the um, American, what is it called? American... Um, how to start a birth center workshop because it is a long-term goal of mine to start a birth center here in Columbus. And so I was talking to her about that and just was like, man, this is so awesome. Like I've never heard nurses, labor and delivery nurses talking about how we need a birth center and just the, the environment and the atmosphere of their unit was like, it just really clicked with me. So I was able to speak to that in my cover letter, you know, talk about the home birth community and just the 
the amazing things I had heard about their physicians and midwives, um, and then talk about this connection I made through, you know, the nurse and the birth center and the fact that I had taken the birth center course. Um, so that got me the interview. And the first one was really just a screening, you know, that I had like all kinds of questions and she was kind of like, well, this is just, you know, we're just kind of screening that she passed my information along. I got the official interview and it was like, I mean, it was really, it was just such an obvious click. Like it was the questions that they had for me. It was like, it was like I had just prepared naturally to be speaking to these people. It didn't feel like an uncomfortable, you know, formal interview. Granted, it was a conference call because COVID had hit by that time. So it might've been a little different, you know, in person with, you know, nervousness and that kind of thing. Um, but they called me back for a second interview, I would say like a week after. And we talked, you know, a little bit more specifically about long-term goals and um, questions I had. And then they called me the next morning and I was, I had a really good feeling about it. I was like, I think, I mean, they had even said to me, like, it sounds like you would be a really good fit for the the mission that we have in moving this midwifery practice forward because they have, um, I mean, as of a couple months ago, they, it wasn't full scope. They were just, the way I understand it is I think they were just kind of like laborious in the hospital, that, but they're wanting, they're moving now toward full scope where, you know, they're seeing their patients in clinic and, you know, attending births in the hospital. That's, that's what they started a couple months ago. And that's why they were expanding their practice. And they, you know, talked about um, me being a good fit to, to helping expand that. And, but then they called me back the next morning and said, we decided to fill it, you know, we really liked you, but we decided to fill the position with someone who could start right away because I still had, that was in March. So I still had like two or three months of school, then obviously studying for boards, getting a you know, license and all of that. I was really disappointed and I was like kind of frustrated. I mean, you, like you knew on my resume before you even interviewed me that I wasn't going to be available right away. So it just didn't seem like a fair, you know, it just didn't seem fair to me. Um, but a week after I graduated, I woke up in the morning and had a voicemail on my phone and they said that they created a part-time position and they wanted to know if I was interested in it. And so the rest is kind of history. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It was, it was a fun surprise for me. And part-time as a midwife. I'm sorry. That's wonderful. Yeah. It <laughs> feels <laughs> they, when, when I originally applied for the job, they had a full-time opening and a part-time and I applied for both because I really couldn't decide, you know, what, what I would prefer. Um, and I think if someone would have let me choose, I probably would have chose full-time, but it will be the job that I accepted is 0.6. So 60% of full-time and it's 26 hours a week. And I think it's going to be perfect for the pace of life that I, you know, have right now with two small kids. And I've been going hundred miles an hour for three years. And I think it's going to be perfect for me to slow down and kind of be forced to slow down. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. And I was just thinking, as you're telling your story, like, you know, how you ended up in Ohio was kind of this roundabout way, but maybe it was ultimately to lead you to this position that you feel like That's, is so fitting for you. Yeah. Yeah. It really does feel that way. And I mean, our goal mm -hmm. was never to stay here like in the beginning, but the longer we've been here, the more we're like, no, this is, this is for us, at least for right now. Yeah. So unexpected, right? Yeah. Wow. So, um, I'm, I'm in hearing you tell your story. I just hear like a lot of growth. You've just been advocating for yourself. Um, 
you know, just as you get through this challenging time, do you have, and, and I hear you saying you're so passionate about birth centers, which is awesome. Do you have anything that you kind of just became really fiercely passionate about through midwifery school that you're going to carry with you into practice? Giving options and not just like assuming interventions is, I mean, that, sound, that, that sounds like basic midwifery care, but it has not been my experience in clinical practice always. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, just, I don't know. That's not, that, I would that's say not really you like. could term it like fully informed consent. Here's all the options, all the advantages, all the risks. Am I right? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I definitely think fully informed consent is, yeah, is definitely a piece of it. And I think it's also, um, like I've seen a lot of, first time moms come in and they like they you know they're on the fence about wanting a quote unquote natural birth and and they're not met with the support that they need to have that experience and it's not that that experience is like it's not that everybody has to have that experience but when someone wants it that's important and i i think that's something i'm really passionate about is really helping people meet their goal, whatever that is. If your goal is to come in and have an epidural, like I want that to happen for you. If your goal is to come in and maybe get an epidural, maybe not, like I want you to have the experience that you want. And that's something that I feel really passionate about is supporting people in the way that they want to be supported, not the way I think they should be supported, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it's kind of, it's kind of in line with what I say, like autonomy. It's yeah. just along those same, that same concept. Yeah. I may not always agree with you, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And you won't ever know that I don't agree because right. it's your yes. choice. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, and I love and I that think, part about midwifery care. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's like kind of sad that we're having to like spell this out because it really, that's what midwifery should be. Um, but I think in a lot of ways it, it, you know, for a lot of people, it's not. And, and I've seen that in clinical practice and it's, you know, it's disappointing, but I, that's something that's just not, it's, it's not on the table to be anything but that for me. So. Well, good. I'm glad you're bringing that into practice. Don't lose it. And (laughs) yeah, I've had midwives say, I know a one of a while back who, um, was amazing but she said I always knew that when I was doing midwifery I loved it and when I stopped loving it and feeling a fire and a passion that it was time for me to go yeah and so I think that's important for all of us to think because I think a lot of sometimes what we see not always but is like burnout you know Mm -hmm. and there's no other option and so they carry that those negative you know vibrations I guess yeah um into the birthing room and so I hope that that never happens to you or me yes, <laughs> and I many so people. <laughs> yeah. So, um, thank you for finally meeting with me and telling me your yes. story and Thanks I can't wait to me. share it and yeah, I'm glad we got to catch up. Thanks Amber.
Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to interview or know someone who does or encourage someone who has a great story or viewpoint to share, have them reach out to me. Easy to find. I'm in one place now. Journey to Midwifery Podcast at gmail.com. The email address is in the show notes and on the podcast page. But again, Journey to Midwifery Podcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you and share your story.